Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Okay. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Lawrence, recovering from Lust. And um, thanks to the previous speakers, Kyle, you're a natural. It sounds like you were a radio uh, talk show host or something in a past life. And uh, thank you for all your service in putting this uh, sim together. And Mitch, for all your service on the trustees for many years. And um, my brother Martin, I was just with him in Slovakia just a couple of days ago. So here we are again virtually. And uh, Martin, I don't know. We haven't really talked about who will go first. So. Uh, I'm fine either way. What's your preference? Please, please continue alive. <laughs> What's that? Do you hear me? Uh, yes, I can. It's a little faint, but... Okay. Would you prefer to go first? No, no, please continue. Okay, all right, I'll jump in. Uh, and uh, just to let you know, Kahal, I didn't, um, I wasn't able to open the uh, question board. So if there are any questions, I won't be able to see them. So help us out with that if you would. So obstacles to recovery. Well, yeah, I've hit them. I've hit a number of them, and um, I really want to zero on four. And uh, hopefully, I'll be able to talk about them <clears throat> within the time limit. But take care, Mitch. The first obstacle in my recovery was a really a failure to understand step one. And that had two parts. One is that I was powerless over lust and not over a certain behavior or a set of behaviors. That set of behaviors is what other S fellowships focus on, but our fellowship focuses on lust. And I can be drunk on lust with my hands on the table, looking like an angel. I don't know if I ever look like an angel, but uh, it's all up here. And so I wasn't focused on that. In fact, I really didn't even understand what lust was when I first came in. But I figured, well, eventually I'll figure it out or pick something up. But uh, I was still drinking. I was drinking, calling myself sober, which was the best I knew, not understanding that Lust can be just fantasizing or inability to stop, you know, keeping my head on a swivel or just looking and not touching and not, not doing anything physical. And for that reason, my, my recovery was stunted. And uh, today I've had to change that around. I've had to say that 
any willful drink of lust, not just any old drink, but the moment I become aware that I'm drinking or that I'm tempted to drink, and I say, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I don't care. God, you have to wait. Come back. You know, you're bush leak pinch hitter somewhere on the shelf. I'll pull you off in time. But right now I want to lust. And if, if my will takes over, that's where I say, well, that's just not sober. Certainly if I look at pornography, certainly if I drink anything with my mind, that's just not what sobriety was about. I mean, and you're talking, you're looking at somebody who was uh, in my relapse going in and out of adult bookstores saying to myself, well, I've got to preserve my sobriety. So I can't help it if, you know, whatever's on the cover is toxic. As long as I don't touch and I don't turn the page, I'm still sober, which was crazy. And and uh, I got the result, which was feeling like a liar coming to SA meetings and claiming 19 months of sobriety. It was just legalism and nothing more. So that's what I've had to adopt. And I remember when Roy came to the 2007 convention in Adelphi, Maryland, and he spoke because we had an auditorium set up there. He spoke to the whole fellowship for a whole hour. And it was there that in front of the fellowship, he chopped off seven years of his sobriety. He moved up his date. And the reason is because you recall that he willfully drank lust sometime seven years after he originally said he was sober. And he just didn't feel honest about it. So that was an example for all of us of what we're really talking about here, the powerlessness and the that level, like gut level honesty that we need. And that it's not about the ego feeling good about some kind of a date, but about honesty before ourselves, before God, before our fellows. That this is this is where we want to live. We we know we can feel live free of lust in that moment of temptation. But it's going to require doing something else. The second part of that first step is that my life had become unmanageable. I find that by myself and a lot of people in the program just don't accept the fact that even though they may know that they're powerless over lust, that their lives have become unmanageable. And so I, you know, I, if I were putting my, my life on, on the, on the market, let's say like I would sell a house, I would, or I would just say, you know, that, that my new, that better yet, my new theme of life would be something like this. And this means that my life is unmanageable and I need a new management and it can't be me because I saw what I did. And, um, I find, you know, let me just try to manage this. Let me figure this out. You know, my sponsor, says figuring it out is not a tool of the program. And yet I always tried to figure stuff out because I always felt like because I was dishonest and I was sneaking around that I had to always be on top of things and come up with excuses and have an alibi. So I was managing, I was managing my life. And while I'm at it, I might as well manage yours too and everybody around me. So I had to finally take a look, which my first step inventory helped me do at the unmanageability, the sheer unmanageability of my life. Because as my degree, my disease progressed, I lived to lust. 
and I barely survived in any of the other areas of my life. I forgot to mention my sobriety date. I think we're supposed to do that. And my sobriety date is August 19th of 2000. But that's not when I came in the program. I came in in August, in October of, two, of 1989. So my sobriety date is 11 years after I first came in. <clears throat> so the third obstacle of lust, uh, excuse me, to, to recovery is a failure to think about one failure to think about someone else ahead of myself. My sponsor has told me that the program essentially can be reduced to ego reduction at depth. But when I first came in, all I could ever do is think about myself. That I didn't measure up, that I was no good, that you know, that I had to try harder, I had to make this happen, I, I, I. And so the idea that I could actually think about someone else, let alone lift a hand and do service early on, like right when I came in, do something. You know, AA talks about set up the chairs or, you know, make the coffee or whatever equivalent in my meetings. I just couldn't, I couldn't do that in the beginning. And the more I was focused on myself, the more I got uh, stuck inside myself and I was still obsessed with self and uh, always comparing myself and, and usually comparing myself out. <clears throat> that was a huge obstacle. So I had to take actions. And in this case, action took the actions and the feelings did follow that I wasn't always going to think about only myself that actually it gave me pleasure to think about other people. And more and more, I'm trying to involve people who are newcomers in 12-step calls, just like they used to take a newcomer in AA and you know, send him with a, a more sober person to meet somebody who's just been put in the hospital or just just come into the program or inquired. You know, if you have a couple of weeks of sobriety, you've got more than that person has. And it's helpful to to see what it looks what the world looks like from someone who is just, you know, maybe still using. And um, and I found that a real obstacle in the beginning, but now uh, more and more I'm finding uh, it's helpful to me to just get out of myself. Um, somebody I knew in the programs you know, used to have a sponsor would say, go pick up the garbage around your building. Just pick up the litter, pick up the trash. So do something to get me out of me. And the last thing is, you know, I, my, it was my unwillingness to give God a chance. I came into the program very anti-God. If I gave him any mind at all, it was certainly negative and, you know, well, thanks a lot, God, you know, for giving me this screwed up life. And I blame God for that everything that was wrong in the world, in my life, even in the program. <clears throat> so suspending disbelief uh, was, was really hard. And I, for the first seven or eight months of the program, said, well, you know, that God thing, that's for people who are really weak. They must really have a bad case. They have to rely on this crutch. I don't really need that part. And so I was picking and choosing from the uh, program menu as though it were an a la carte uh, restaurant instead of understanding there is a program of recovery with steps that are set in order for a reason 
and that steps two and three are not something that can simply be skipped over. In fact, the whole, the, the nub of the program is surrounds, is, is turns on step three because I may even believe in God in step two, but if I'm not willing to trust God as I understand God in step three, I won't be willing to have this new management take over my life. I'll still be controlling things and maybe just, you know, calling on God occasionally. <clears throat> and that is not going to work. It didn't work for me the first time. And uh, I don't want to try it again. So those are the obstacles that have been present in my recovery. And I've had to deal with each one of them separately and um, do the best I can to overcome them with God's help, with surrender, with all you people, my sponsors. And uh, gosh, it's a lot easier to not be fighting, not be fighting all these things and just to say, okay, and really mean your will be done, not mine. Thanks for letting me share. On to you, Martin. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Do you hear me, guys? Yes. Yeah, I am Martin Sexholic. <laughs> yes, and I'm very grateful that we are again in touch and also with other fellows. Please bring the microphone closer to your mouth so that we can hear you, Martin. We're not hearing you great. I don't know. Now it's better? Yes, it's better. Okay, so... Um, as you know, I am all button sexholic. I came to fellowship five years ago. And <laughs> my first physical meeting was on first MR convention in Europe. And I met you, all of you, and Mm, I felt very big love, and this is things what every time brings me back. And mm, from the time uh, uh, before that, I was in different fellowship without sobriety definition, and I couldn't stay sober. I tried nearly three years, and in SA. It was like miracle because I could stay sober four and a half months with help of my sponsor, everyday contact. And the first obstacle what I could see is, um, is uh, I think so, it was dishonesty and probably dishonesty. It was every time and that I uh, stopped to be honest with my sponsor and with myself. and. Also, I identified that I didn't know, I didn't understand very long time what what lust means and what is what is what it means in my case. I also saw that my problem is masturbation and affairs with different women and whatever. And also, there was big progress. It was horrible, and so and I saw that this is the problem, and I <laughs> couldn't understand. What what is what does it mean lust in my case and so and so I really didn't stop lusting and I had some sexual fantasy a long time after and so I had um, um, one sleep after 
another 15 months and then I had relapse and after two, two years. And now my sobriety days since 7 July last year. And yeah, so <laughs> what I would like to mention that maybe I, I wouldn't go back to, to the program. But again, I have to mention that every time I felt big love and also in relapse called me some members and I, and they recorded me audio messages and it brings me back. And I also in relapse, I saw that these guys around me had something what I really want. So, and, uh, this is, this is uh, real love and my obstacle was the every time lost and and so I am grateful in law, but I am still learning how to change this lost thinking to law. And there are still obstacles in my character defects, pride, self-centeredness, dishonesty, selfishness, isolation and how to and I have long time I have questioned how to stay honest with self because I saw every time that it's my honesty problem and I found out in one speaker uh, share that honesty is when I bring to light um, my feeling my motives and my lust and my thoughts <laughs> and so I need this I need to be in contact with others Another obstacle was that I had still expectation that we will go back in our marriage. I am divorced, but we still live together during weekends with my ex-wife. So it was another obstacle that I wanted to be lasted after. And yeah, so and and also obstacle was that I didn't work on steps pretty deeply. Uh, every time after um, after some period of my sexual abstinence, <laughs> uh, my pride went high and my self-centeredness and I and I more did service and less did steps work. So it was it was a real problem. And yes, and yesterday I spoke to my sponsor. <laughs> And he told me uh, that I, that I, when I am trusting my thinking, I am trusting problem because I am problem. <laughs> uh, and this is, this is the biggest obstacle in my recovery, trusting my thinking. And this is, what every time happened that my life started to be unmanageable uh, because I can't be manager anymore. I, I need new manager. And he also mentioned me that Martin, don't let the problem be a manager. <laughs> so it, it, uh, it was nice. And also he mentioned me that I shouldn't expect that the problem, what is my thinking, is going to produce solution. So it's every and, and other things what what every time happened that my thinking, my problem. 
every time uh, produced more problems. And so, so and um, I'm also grateful for Vibook because there is a description where the action is, that uh, the heart of the steps are steps four to nine. And I need to do regular inventory <laughs> of my thinking, of my attitude, and also like step 10. And um, Bill Wilson um, also write about it in Bill's story that he had to, he started to check his thinking and what seems to be good and normal. Uh, he found out that it's not good and not normal. And so, and what helps me very much to be in contact with these uh, old timers and learn one from them that a uh, few of them changing uh, tools from time to time, from gratitude list to 10 steps inventory or 11 step inventory during evening and uh, checking partners. And so this has helped me very much to play with the, with the program tools, also to use a prayer card during the day and all these things and, and daily reading of a big book. So these things uh, uh, overcome all obstacles uh, to recovery. And I also I would like to mention that I I thought that there are obstacles in recovery, but the name is obstacles to recovery. What means that I <laughs> when I have these obstacles I I am not really recovered. I am just sexaholic and when every time, every 24 hours, I need these tools to use for overcome these obstacles and to be a recovered sexaholic. So I also love um, these meetings about action of love, what we have in Slovakia, what helps me very much to be in center of my family and my fellowship and to be in service, to do next right thing. Now I am already second second week to visit of my mom who had broken back and I I never had so good relationship with my mom like now and also with my sister and so I'm very thankful for SA and that it's possible to change this last to allow and also that I could um, concentrate on on the woman in my family, like my sister, like my mom and my tante and, and my mom-in-law or also to be helpful, unselfish love to my ex-wife. I didn't have sex with my ex-wife 12 years. So but it's still mother of my children. So, so it, <laughs> for me, it's really the fourth dimension <laughs> uh, <laughs> compared to my um, acting out what I did before. And I'm still learning. I am not perfect also to live with. Also, perfection was a big obstacle in my recovery. 
and I need only just to do next right things and and uh, and also I help, I I learned from my sponsor that he was long time sober, but he was every day in step one. That uh, he's powerless, his life is unmanageable, and I I need to I need to remind every day that I'm powerless over last my life is unmanageable and I need to pray to God to help me and to change my thinking and and to keep me sober and I'm praying also for willingness and so thank you for listening and yes I, and I giving you word back and I'm very grateful to be in contact with all of you thank you guys Okay. Thanks very much, uh, Martin, and thanks very much, Lawrence, as well. Um, it's really, really great hearing you. And great to see you online as well. So I'm so glad you could make it and share with us today. And um, we, we do have a couple of comments on the website. And um, again, it's only 25 past. So maybe Lawrence, uh, before we get to the comments, has, has anything more that he wants to share? It was an amazing share that he gave us. Um, currently, the, the comments that we've had so far, guys, I don't know if you can see them. Um, Lawrence, some, um, Mike, Mike F. asked, uh, when did you come to SA and what has kept you here for so long? Maybe you want to talk about that and then expand on that a bit. Sure. <clears throat> uh, I came to SA October 30th, 1989, and I always say that that was the pivotal day of my adult life, or maybe my whole life, I don't know. Um, back then, I was in Washington, D.C., and there weren't very many meetings, and um, very few people were working the steps. There wasn't a lot of sobriety. The fellowship was still pretty new. And um, I hated the sobriety definition, but people sounded pretty good. And they seemed to have what I wanted. So I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to stay sober at you. And um, I was uh, pretty angry and felt discriminated against by the sobriety definition. And, uh, you know, I wasn't married. And, you know, so what's the deal? Um, um, didn't like Roy because they didn't like the sobriety definition, things like that. I would go to the conventions. I was kind of in, but against a lot of what was going on in SA, at least what SA stood for. But Roy would just simply tell me, work your steps, stay sober, work your steps, and watch what God does. And I said, okay. I'll give it a shot. And lo and behold, my whole life was turned upside down in the best way. And I found God, as I understand God today, and found that I not only agree with the sobriety definition now, but I strongly advocate for it because it's something I need and nothing else worked for me. And um, 
But that wasn't enough to keep me. When I had three years of sobriety in 1992, I left. I left the program. I left my two other programs. It was OA and DA, Readers and Debtors Anonymous. Because I thought I heard God say, well, we'll do this, you and I, on our own. Now, whether that was actually God or that was me imputing something onto God that was not really from him, I don't know. But I look at it now and I say, well, it doesn't make any sense that I would have left. And I stayed out. I didn't know how long I'd be out, but I stayed out for eight years. So I was in for three, out for eight. Stayed sober, quote unquote, so but technically sober, during four more of those years. So a total of seven years of not using. But again, not lust sober, not emotionally sober. Had only worked steps one, two, three. Scared to death of step four. <clears throat> and I think maybe part of, part of the reason I ran is because of step four. Because of one person that I thought, there is no way I'm ever going to uh, find that I'm even partly responsible for the way I feel about her because she was you know, every adjective in the book. So I came back, crawling back into SA in the year 2000, having just spent uh, a few months hopping around Europe and North Africa, going to adult bookstores, insisting I'm sober, and back into that same insanity. And it was only then, I think, that I really took step one and realized how unmanageable my life was. And that I was powerless over lust, not behavior. And I was powerless over my whole self. And I reached that bottom that finally convinced me. I don't know if I have another one of these in me. So I jumped right in, became a newcomer again, didn't know anything, was willing to be teachable, found some people to work my steps with me, and did so with urgency because I'd become a gutter drunk again. My my addiction was really bad. I'd been using five and six times a day, acting out anonymously, uh, all sorts of complications health-wise because of it, and um, I knew I couldn't uh, I couldn't continue this way. So I haven't left since then. I love SA. I don't plan on leaving. I want to die sober. And uh, I want to be there for as, as many people as need the program as I can be and uh, give back a little bit of what I've been so generously given. And the last thing I'll say is I'm in another fellowship for overeating, and it's called HOW, H-O-W, O-A, HOW. The H is honesty, O is open-mindedness, and W is willingness. This is at the back of the big book. And um, if I don't have any of it, it's the tripod on which recovery stands or the program stands. If, if one of them is missing, the program falls. So I've got to be honest. I've got to be open-minded, which I was not in the beginning when I first came in, especially about God. And I had to be willing. And so I have to measure those things, you know, when I wake up and uh, you know, ask for them if I don't have them. <clears throat> so that's what uh, life looks like today. And um, never will be sufficiently grateful for the program, for Roy and all he did to set this for us so that we didn't have to go f fishing for a program. It's all here. And all I need to do is follow it. 
one day at a time with the help of my sponsor and the program and all of you guys. And as Martin said, accept the love that's available in the program for me. If I will just open my heart to it. Thank you so much. Um, we have a question from Ephraim, and he asked if you could just talk a little bit about what you called um, emotional sobriety, Lauren. Is that for me, Daniel? Yes, that was for you. You just mentioned emotional sobriety a couple okay. of minutes ago. Well, emotional sobriety, and I think there is a one, one uh, speaker who's going to speak on emotional sobriety in a few hours. But for me, emotional sobriety is... Uh, you know, they say in uh, 12 and 12, meeting calamity with serenity. It's meeting whatever comes my way and understanding, as some people in other countries, you know, culturally, they understand that events just happen, they're neutral, and that they're not all about me. But when I was a child, I thought everything, I caused everything that happened around me. And uh, that's just not true. Things happen but I can meet them with the same degree of peace and serenity as long as I understand they're not happening to me. They're happening, period. And with, if I'm under new management, it means that God, as I understand God, is in control, although I am not. I mean, for sure I am not. So if I forget God for a moment, then things seem catastrophic, uh, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it through, survive, I don't, you know, I, I start seeing, you know, the end of the world, the end of the cliff, but as long as I remember God's in charge, uh, you know, my life is under new management, the peace just immediately descends on me, it's absolutely incredible, I just say the name of God, and that peace comes. And I guess I'm not surprised because God, as I understand God, has been telling me that for a long time. I just never took it seriously. I said, okay, well, that sounds like a lot of, you know, uh, wishful thinking. But uh, I don't have emotional sobriety without God centered in my life. And in order for that to happen, I've got to do my prayers. I've got to be in uh, some kind of devotion or meditation or sacred reading so that I remember the biggest picture in my life is not here. Yes, I'm called to be to live here in the here and now, but that there is a way bigger picture which I'm a part of and I'm called to and uh, if I'm willing and honest and open, chances are I will be shown that day what how I'm supposed to participate in this this uh, grander plan. So that to me is emotional sobriety today. Thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, Martin, here's a comment that came in from um, uh, from Jeff. And he said that, funny, listening to how you're speaking, I realize that the only way that I've stayed sober is by sharing and by listening. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about how powerful and important sharing and listening is for you and how it helps your sobriety. Okay. Uh, thank you for the question. Yes, it's a good question. I have still problem with that. <laughs> and so the problem of my recovery is my ego. And my ego don't want to uh, <laughs> do things. Um, 
to share and to read. I have every day problem to read big book, <laughs> just two pages, but my ego uh, has the problem with that. And how I do it, so I work my program three times per week. I do my step work three times per half hour. And also I work with others. I I am very sick person, so I have <laughs> many sponges <laughs> because I am so sick that I need a uh, mm, uh, uh, periodic contact. And so, and I also do recording when I have some feeling. Sometimes I really don't want to listen anybody to hear, but I, I do recording to my friends. Also, I do gratitude list, gratitude list, and also I sometimes share my inventory about ex-wife, about cover course, and so on. And yeah, so this is, I think, step four, and gratitude and calling others, doing recording, reading big book, listening. Uh, when I when I drive. I have car and I, and I drive long distances to my work and to my mom. So I am listening audios from XA speakers from internet. And yes, maybe then I also would like men and also I would like to mention that big obstacle was also fear and and uh, my sponsor very often and also it connects to emotional sobriety and <laughs> my sponsor often remind me the third step from big book this requirement of the third, third step the first requirement is that we become convinced that any life of run or self-will can hardly be a success uh, that on the basis we are almost always in collision with someone, something or somebody, even though so our motives are good. And and what usually happens, that show doesn't come off very well. <laughs> so this is also my problem. I am actor control all around and I want to play my show. And also sponsor suggested me uh, read me. I need to repeat many times that from the page 68 that perhaps there is a better way we think so. For we are now on the different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite ourselves. And, <laughs> and he would have us and humbly really on him does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So, so this is helping me also very much that it's not my life anymore, not with my power, it's with God's power and with God's love. So, thank you. Thanks. And we have a question from Catherine also for you, Martin, asking how um, your relationship with your, with your family members has improved. Um, over the uh, over your recovery. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. Um, 
So the most problematic, so uh, every relationship with my family members improved. My father is, I think, so alcoholic. And even I was dry from alcohol and maybe from acting out, I was still not behaved very well to him. And he had fear of me and don't want to my visit. Uh, but yes, uh, I, my sponsor suggested me to listen and to be there, not to comment, not to argue, just listen and to, to say that you might be right. <laughs> and this helps me very much. And also write gratitude about everybody, about my father, about my mom, <laughs> about my sister and write also talents what they have from God, what they did really good in, in their life and also to remind uh, nice moments in our life from my child childhood. And I couldn't stand here in my mom's flat uh, during the day normally. I have to run away. And uh, this time I am already here the second week and I am helpful for her. And we, we, we talk about prayers, about prayers, about fear and about resentment and pray for others. So it's really for me, it's unbelievable. And also I have a much better relationship with my sister because she had to care about my mom whole life. And I wasn't, I wasn't here. And now it's much better that I could. And she really, she nearly left her job uh, one month ago because she had to care about my mom. So now it's really like tandem that we work together. Also with my children, it's much better. I, I stop to control them. I share just my experience. And again, I need to be helpful for them. My, my daughter like horse riding. My son like motorcycles and so on. So I talk about things, what they like, and not too much about my recovery. And also I need to do, um, uh, needs to be helpful at home, but something needs to be done. I, I should, I need to be active, not, not ask others to do it, my children and whatever. And the last person is my ex-wife. And this is the, most hardest things for me and it seems to me that uh, probably she will she we had to go everybody different way and i i am grateful that i could understand that it's too that's what i did in past it's too much for her and and also obstacle was jealousy jealousy and Suspicion. I found out one month ago that this was big obstacle all in my relationship with my wife or ex-wife. So, so I, I'm thankful that I am in this program and I could work with my character defects and, and uh, that she also teach me unselfish love and that, uh, our relationship is still better even we are going different way. So there is no sex anymore. 
and I'm very grateful that it's now also lost. And also one old timer told me that I had too much sex in my life that now it's my task to grow spiritually. So, so, so I'm grateful for that it is possible. And thank you for this question. Thank you, thank you. So we have a great question for both of you here um, on the topic. Wh what actions do you take when you actually experience obstacles to your recovery? Maybe you can both take a couple of minutes to ask. I'll give that a shot. I use the phrase to myself, go to the throne and then the phone. And uh, what I mean by that is go to prayer. Go to the throne of God, if that's what the way you picture God. Uh, pray to God. Bring God right into that situation, like any lust temptation. Because it's only when God is in the picture, when God is becomes the third component in that triangle, God is always present in my my understanding. It's just that I don't acknowledge God's presence. I think I have to handle something. I can't handle it. I start to go into my anxious mode, panic mode, control mode, whatever coping mechanism I always used to get out of a situation. And my worst instincts may come up. But the minute I bring God into the picture, I settle down. God gives me wisdom. God, God quiets me down so that, I can, so that I can hear what he's saying. And then just to make sure that I haven't imagined this whole thing, uh, I always have to get grounded. You know, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. That principle to me carries over in all aspects of recovery. Want to get grounded in another person, renting somebody's eardrums for a few minutes to say, look, this is what happened. This is what I got in my prayer or attorney to God. And um, how does that sound to you? And I will always get honest feedback. <clears throat> so uh, it's not hard to do if I can just, you know, count to 10 and just say, okay, wait a second. Yes, this seems, you know, here's an obstacle. Uh, you know, I just got pulled over by a police car or, you know, um, I, I missed my plane or something, you know, something seems like there's a calamity. Even if it isn't a calamity, I turn it into a calamity in my head. So then I go, okay, well, there's you, God. <laughs> there's you. I've totally forgotten about you here. Okay. And then the moment God comes into the picture, he, one way or another, lets me know, I've got this. I've got it. And I settle down. And that's when sanity returns. And, uh, and I can hear what God has, how God views the situation. And uh, it works every time. I don't necessarily turn right away to God every time. But then again, the, the, to seal the deal, to speak to someone else, to hear somebody other than me working through because they're detached from it and they're not going to be nearly as emotionally affected because they can see things objectively. Now, if they were to call me five minutes later, something just happened there. Am I still on? 
Yes, you are still on. Okay. Uh, if uh, if five minutes later they were to call me with one one of their issues, all of a sudden I'm detached emotionally and I can be objective and and be there for them, but I cannot do that for myself successfully. And I think that maybe is God's design that we are there for one another. That you know we say in the program we're not all crazy on the same day or maybe in the same hour. And uh, thank goodness for that. Thank, thank goodness so many of you have been there for me in those moments when I've just had to say, hell, what does this sound like to you? And, uh, and get the wisdom that all of you have, have had for me. Thanks. Thank you. So, uh, so I'm grateful, alcoholic, and so we had some speakers in Europe and uh, also from MR speakers. And one of them suggested who have cards with prayers from these 16 points how to overcome lust. So it helped me too much. And I'm very grateful for these prayers. And another old timer <laughs> write this card in so Slovak language. He, he's from USA. <laughs> But he chose on these prayers from Slovak White Book and write to us. And so help me. So, for example, prayer that God, I'm powerless, please help me. And to, to use this prayer many times a day. And when I have fear of anger or I'm, I, I feel lost or powerlessness, so it helps me very much. Also, that I am surrender, uh, desire to last it after this peace this man and woman, please take it away, or please God help me to keep me sober because I am not able, or or pray for people who is uh, for women when I am lusting, or for people I am resented, or, or pray for uh, blessing of the person. Also, sometimes when I feel pain, I I am giving this pain to to higher power, to like pain for recovery of my family. That this pain has some some reason, and so I can give this pain to my higher power, and the higher power can use this pain to recover my family. And uh, it helps me very much suggestion that I could pray the third step prayer <coughs> for my children, for my daughter, my son, my mom, and for my ex-wife. And also what Harvey said usually that what I see in lust, please, all resentment or fear, please God help me to see in you, to find in you. And also I am using very often fear, uh, in, uh, prayer about fear. Please, God, take away this fear and change my attitude, what you want to have of me just now. Yeah, so I don't know how it's in English, but in Slovak version, you know. So this is tools what I used to use during the day. So thank you. These prayers, yeah. Thanks so much, guys. So maybe just um, maybe just in the last few minutes, um, you can both give a little bit of um, 
kind of advice to, to, to the newcomer or what kind of what words of wisdom would you give to the newcomer or to the person who's slipping and um, and is struggling to get sober? Um, maybe each take two or three minutes just to you know give us a little bit of thoughts about that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'll jump in. <clears throat> well, like many of us, I am a relapse survivor. Um, as I said, my sobriety dates from 11 years after I first came into the program. That's a long time. It's, it's a lifetime in this fellowship. But uh, I don't recommend necessarily, you know, doing that exactly the way I did it. Uh, but I wasn't planning to do it that way. It just turned out that way. The point is that what Roy told me were, gave me words to live by, and it was just that. It was stay sober, meaning do everything I need to do to stay sober. That's that's a summary of using the tools, working the steps. Well, see, so he said stay sober, work the steps, not postpone working the steps for 11 years like I did. Work the steps and watch what God does. The third part is not what I do. It's what God, how God kicks in. And God is there the whole time. But there are things that are buried underneath uh, the lust that are the real problem. Lust is only the very surface problem. I have serious emotional and other kinds of problems, unforgiveness, anger, all sorts of emotional uh, complications underneath there. There's like a whole, you know, a, a tsunami of things happening underneath, and, and I don't know how to handle them. So I turn to lust, and lust works for about five minutes. But then it doesn't resolve anything. The only, the healing is in the steps. And I was afraid of feeling the feelings by having the, the lust not be available to me. And that's when I leaned on the fellowship. I had to learn to lean on God and trust God. It was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. That was the deception that I bought into. And so for a, new, for a newcomer or somebody who cannot stay sober, all I can say is it does work. It will work for you as long as you stick around and as long as you delve into the steps and have honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness about everything and, and give up the, half, the, the bargaining with the program, which is what I did in the beginning. I bargained with it. I picked and chose. I was not willing to work the whole program. And I got similar results, meaning I didn't stay sober. So it's not difficult. I was just scared, and my scare, my fright, my fear, was expressed itself in rebellion and obstinacy, and until I finally got to the part where I didn't have anything left in me other than to say, "Okay, Uncle, I give up. Show me what to do. I, I'm done. I'm done doing it my way." And whatever it is that's maybe stopping you from doing that, that's where we need to. To, uh, you need to put your focus and then turn to those of us in the fellowship and, and there will be people who will show up and help you.
Thank you. So, I'm Martin Sexholic, and um, we have many, many members who are relapsing. We are small fellowships. And yes, I need to remind myself that I also was in different fellowship and I relapsed three years before I came to SA and also before that. And I, it also took me in SA a long time to find out what it lost because I didn't understand it. I already know everything about big book, but I couldn't stay sober <laughs> because I didn't know what this problem, <laughs> what it lost. So, yeah, so we are still in touch. And also one of my sponsors told me that the recovery is process, not event. So, so it's very good to remind and to find the root of the problem with, with these guys. And, and so I'm very grateful that we have a few days ago workshop about sponsorship and we find common way. We, we did like inventory of our group of our fellowship, what is good for our common recovery and sponsoring, and also also what is good, how, how we could help each other to stay sober. That it's not question of sponsor, but it's question of the group to help others to stay sober. So, and also it's, of course, it's result, it's not my business, my business is to work my steps and it's God's business if I stay sober. So, so I am very grateful to, that I could learn what is my business and what is God's business. <laughs> because I, I much more like God's business than my business, but, but it's not work. So, yeah, so thank you. Thank you both so much. Um, maybe one of you wants to lead us out in a prayer. It was a really special really special discussion and um, we, we really appreciate we really appreciate it Martin how about if we close with the we form of the serenity prayer okay good God God grant us the serenity, the serenity. to accept the things we cannot change, cannot change. courage to change the things we can and wisdom to know the difference. Know the difference. That will, that not ours. Not mine. Amen. Amen. Amen.